Father, I just uh, I let that breath out for all of us. Uh, Lord, the stresses of this life, this crazy world we live in, uh, whether it's the political landscape or the medical or uh, the things that are just going on in this world that we've we've almost become accustomed to the last two years, the the weight of that stress and anxiety and and the what if. And Father, as we talk about what it is to to pursue the best life in faith, God, and what that actually is and does, Lord, um, help us to understand. Help it to bring peace. God, I pray for those in the room today that are hurting. Lord, maybe they've been hurting so long that they've, they've ignored it, that they've just buried it, and they don't feel it until those brief moments at night when we're looking up at the ceiling right before we fall asleep when we can't hide anymore. I pray that you'd move into that. God, I pray for those that are bitter and angry and frustrated. Um, Lord, that, that want to know you or maybe even do know you but have, have put up walls of anger and frustration from being hurt and rejected. God, I pray you'd move. Lord, you're always willing to heal us. The word says that, and um, we trust you, and we pray you'd bring healing in whatever ways we all need today. Father, I humbly ask that you'd help me to preach your word uh, and that they would be your words and only your words, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How are you guys doing today? Great. So my name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. If it is your first time or you haven't been here in a while, we are in number two in a new series called The Best Life. How I, I'm going to tell you how to make a million dollars. I'm just kidding. Get it? Jenny, don't laugh. Don't have fun. She's like, that isn't true, Todd. I love um, <clears throat> See, you know you've been here long enough when I make fun of you up here, you know? Luke, I'm coming. Don't worry. Uh, so, you know, listen, the reality is, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, this isn't going to be necessarily your clean-cut message, because I don't know about you, but, but when I look at the Bible, I see a lot of promises that God makes to us. A lot of promises. A lot of things that God says, if you do this, I will do this. If you follow me, if you put your real faith in me, your trust in me, I will come through on my end. Now, here's what we do. A lot of good Christian people, and that's you guys, a lot of people that, that really believe, what we end up doing is because we've been set up to be disappointed, because things haven't gone the way we are, because maybe the idea of God keeping his promise has been twisted a little bit, and we've, we've confused God keeping his promise with God doing what we want. And so what happens is we become discouraged. When we become discouraged, because you love God, you start to make excuses for God. You ever do that for a friend? Your friend's late, I'm a pretty loyal guy. So if I'm your buddy and you're late to something, I'm covering for you. That's what I do, right? And that's what we kind of do for God. Like, it's, it's okay. He probably hit the snooze or something, right? We start to think that God needs our excuses instead of, and this is, is going to sound, I hope it doesn't sound snotty, but I mean this exactly what I'm about to say it. Listen, he's God. I'm going to hold him to his promises. If he can't handle, if our faith can't handle, if God can't handle the weight of our faith, which is, right, that he's going to do the assurance that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, then what is this? A game, a social game? You show up and you sometimes feel good and you get to wear your nice clothes? Unless you're me and you just throw on whatever you got in the closet at the time that's clean. Here's the strange thing that, about Christianity. Do you want me to put it into words what we all know but we don't want to say? And it's confusing. Zeke, you ready? Okay. He's like, eh, okay. Christianity isn't about making life better, but following Christ will make life better. Let that sink in. I know you're like, what is it? Christianity isn't about making life better. If you're here today because you think immediately you're going to get everything you want tomorrow because you came to church, you're, you're, you're down, you're upset, it's, you're, I can't speak. But you're going to be disappointed. That's the word I'm looking for. But following Christ will lead to the best life you'll ever live. Partially because he flat out told us, I am the way, the truth, and the 
life. Christianity isn't about making life better, but following Christ leads to a better life. What a weird, strange thing. Christ will lead to the best life. Partially what led me to think about this is your version of the best life, your version of a better life, do you think that's different than the Christian in China who's in prison right now for preaching the gospel? Does a better life look different for them than it does you? No? I'll go home. You guys asleep? Do I need to do the southern thing where I say, can I get an amen? Right? Have a sweat towel? Anyway. I should have a sweat towel. I sweat a lot. Anyway. <clears throat> can I have one without the other? Can I have the sweat towel without asking amen? Mm, mystery. Um, no, I'm serious. What about the starving person in a third world country who has put their faith in Christ and they hear words like, you come and drink for me and you'll never be thirsty again while they're thirsty? Does a better life look different for them than you? What do we do with that? See, a lot of people's faith falls apart right there. Right there. When you really think about it, it's just it doesn't happen until it hits you. You're not starving, so it's like, yeah, God's coming through. I still have bread today. What if you don't? I always get confused, like, why I pick on people sometimes. i got to stop doing that. I really do. I know I do. Because then if you're new, you're afraid, like, if he learns my name, he's going to say my name. I know that feeling, right? I used to sit in a crowd. Yeah, exactly. You put your head down, and you're like, don't say my name. Don't worry. you got to be here at least three times. I'm just kidding. Uh, I know that, but what I'm going to say isn't about a person. But I'll say this. Sometimes I look out and I, and I see, because I put myself there. And you know when you're yawning and you're half asleep? I can make fun of some people. Josh is in the back today, so I can't, I can't like, make fun of him for going, Ooh. Zach, he's around here. He's, he's actually working, so he can't fall asleep. Listen, here's what I never understood in all seriousness. I joke with those guys. Because I get, like, why? Those that walk out and go to the bathroom 18 times. Hey, you ain't got to pee that many times. Quit fibbing. Here's my point. What are we really doing? Why are you here? Don't you want to know if this is real? Don't you want something more? It, are you here just because Uncle Joe told you to come here? Are you here just because that's what your wife or husband made you? Are you here because you intrinsically know that life has to be more than what it is? There has to be more to this. And if you're not here for that reason, no wonder you're falling asleep. I'm not that entertaining. Whether you're 14 or 105, wake up. Faith. What a weird thing. What a weird thing. And the Bible's filled with tangible things to make our life the best life. Now, the problem with things like these topical series, right, meaning I'm not taking a chunk of the Bible and explaining it, is there's a hundred verses that I could use, sections to discuss this. But here's the thing. We get confused. How about instead of focusing on the hundred, we focus on one section that tells you exactly what to do. Would you like that? We still don't do it. I want to talk to you. I want to read to you some things about faith, right? Raise your hand if you've heard the word faith in Christianity. The rest of you that aren't, see, I'm going to say your name. I'm going to say the name of the curly-haired Vandeford. Have you ever heard of faith? Okay, he nods. You just don't like raising your hand? Is it your throwing arm? Got him. All right. <laughs> That's what you get. Him, I'm going to come at. All right. He never raises his hand. That guy never raises his hand. <laughs> I know your parents, so it makes sense. Stubborn. <laughs> All right, listen, <laughs> this is why no one comes back. Uh, Galatians 3.1, I just want to, you don't have to, you can just read this today. <laughs> uh, well, ignore that, okay, because I, I apparently gave them the wrong. Look, Google this. Now it's evident, let's skip actually, skip down. Hebrews 11.1, 1. let's hope I got that one right. There we go. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. 
Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. Hey, Christian, long-term Christian, the one that when you're a little kid, the one you think you know what faith is already, wake up, all right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You ready? You want to know what faith is? It's believing God, period. Do you believe that he is who he said he is and is going to do what he said he's going to do? The assurance. If I said, how many of you are assured of God's promises? About 12 of you are going to raise your hand, maybe two believe that. You're not assured? You know how I know? Because if God came right now and said, give everything you have up and follow me, many of you'd walk away because what? You have many possessions. Now, faith is the whole, let's keep going. Uh, Romans 5, 1 and 2. These are just things about, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, faith's important. You've been justified by your good works. That means the good things you do. Some of you think that, right? And then you get mad at God because you've racked up enough good things to get a blessing. It's like a five-to-one ratio usually. I did enough good things, now I should get $20, right? Through him we also have obtained access. Did you? Yeah, we're right. Okay, yeah. Through him we have obtained access by faith and disgrace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You have obtained through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Stay with me, fellas. Can you go back to one? Thanks. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are justified by faith. You now have peace with God through Christ. Let me ask you a question. So if you don't have faith, you are not justified, which means what? You don't have peace. So stay with me. If you don't have peace with God, what does that mean about you? You're at war with God. Is that not the opposite of peace? You are at war with God. See, God makes it real clear. I'm a good person, all that. That's great. You don't have to figure out where the line of good person is. You are either, you have peace with him or you are at war with him. Bottom line. How do you stand before a holy God in war? I don't like your odds. Or mine. Now go to verse 2. You threw me for a loop, man. Through him we also have attained access by faith into this grace. This is all wordy. In which we stand and we rejoice in the in the hope of the glory of God, grace. There's that beautiful word. You know what grace is? Grace is when God looks at you and says, it doesn't matter what you've done. I still view you as valuable, forgiven, loved, holy, pure. It doesn't matter what the world says. I see you that way. That I won't hold what you've done, what you're doing, or even what you're going to do against you. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So faith by right, access of faith, we get to be in God. We're in his grace. We're, not, we're at peace. And because of that, we rejoice in the glory of God. What does rejoice mean? Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, just be happy. Have joy. Now, you know how I know we don't have a lot of joy? P.S., I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm not necessarily a joyful person by nature. I'm a bit of an Eeyore. Why did some of you go? That's amen. I saw you in the back, right? <laughs> it's true, though. But here's the thing. If you actually believe that, if you believed at one point you were the enemy of God, if you're the enemy of God, you're not going to be in paradise. Well, I'm a good person. It doesn't matter. What's good? What's good in comparison to perfect? Are you perfect? Then it's not enough. But faith leads to grace, which leads to peace, which leads to joy. I'm setting up my case here that faith is so important for you to have the best life. But I don't want to leave it in that realm of Christianese, the realm where it's just like, we talk about faith, and that's what pastors say, and I know what it means. Y'all bet you don't even know what faith means. Really, I didn't. I say the word a lot, but what does it actually mean? What does it mean to have faith? How can someone have more faith than another person? 
The easiest thing in the world to know how strong your faith is. Everybody take a second. Ready? Think of the thing that you love the most. I'll give you a minute. Don't say it out loud. Juju, that's you. Don't say it out loud. All right? <laughs> All right? <clears throat> think about it. All right? I'm going to add to it. Now, think about the thing, and this is serious, that if you lost that, would rock your world for a while. I mean, rock it. You, you, might, you don't know how you get out of it. Now, imagine God asks you to give that up, to trust him. He'd never make me give up my wife or husband because marriage is forever. You're right. But we live in a scary world. What happens then? You see, we look at the rich young ruler, that rich guy that says, how do I inherit the kingdom? He goes, ah, oh, follow me. And he goes, follow the rules. I do that. Great. All I want you to do now is sell all your stuff and follow me. And he's like, man. And he said he walked away and we go, man, I would have followed him. No, you ain't. You ain't even willing to give up your Prius. You're not even willing to give to your church. But Todd, I give to the Salvation Army. It's the same thing because I'm not, you don't need to tell me where I give. I don't have to. I already got some of you. I see your grimace. He's talking to me. Maybe. I know, right? What's the thing? You see, the goal is to get to a place that if God asks you to take your newborn child, boy, this one hits close to home, put it on a rock and say, give him to me, give her to me, that you'd be willing to do it, not because you think God would, but you have faith that God somehow, some way, is going to pull out a miracle because he wouldn't do that to you. You see, that's what happened. Isaac. You wait forever, I'm going to give you a child, you have the child, and I'll take it up and sacrifice it. That wasn't about obedience. That was about faith in God's character. There's a powerful lesson there. What are we going to do up here? What are we going to do up here? The son said, oh, well, God will provide a sacrifice. There's no way he would do this. Why? Because I know his character. What would you guys think of the story if the knife did come down? If the fire was started, what, what, what then? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I hope I'm right here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. There it is again. You want grace? Do you want to be looked at and not judged? To not be viewed less than? To not have your past sins and mistakes held against you? Do you want to be able to walk into church and go for once in your life and go, man, I know I'm good enough. Because I know that feeling when you walk in and you're like, man, I don't feel good enough to be here. That old joke, I don't go to church because if I did, I'd start it on fire. (laughs) I'd burst into flames, right? That's a sad joke, man. What are they really saying? What have you really said if that was you that said that? That you're not good enough for God. You're so far removed from him that being in his presence would set you on fire. There's some truth there, isn't it? In this sense. But God is saying, no, I want you. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Don't do it. Got him. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So, faith. You want grace, right? You put your faith, so, so somehow we know this. Faith is not about what I do to earn it. How do I know that? It just says it's not your own doing. Well, Todd, you just told me that faith is actions. I know. Good's, good works, good things, not sinning doesn't make someone a Christian, but a Christian pursues that. They don't make excuses for why they come up short. They pursue God's word. They pursue God's commands. They do what he says to do to the best of their ability, and they try their best to avoid doing what he says not to do. It's that simple. Don't worry about the gray areas. What if I fall short? What if I do this? That's where grace makes up the difference. But don't mean and take that to say, well, I don't try at all. If you do nothing, if I can't look at you and see a difference between before you knew Christ and now, there's a problem. It looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. Is that it? It's a duck, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing with Christian. The problem is in this country, in this community, in this state, maybe in this church, we tend to say, well, we've got our own version. We've got our own version. And it doesn't have to look different. We spend most of our time trying to look like the cool crowd. See, there's, there's the crowd, the real bad people. Oh, boy, you're already in trouble. Then, then there is the, the cool Christians, and that's where we all want to be. Then there's the weirdo Christians. Funny thing, I've noticed that the weirdo Christians tend to be the one that actually follow Christ. Which crowd are you? I don't know. Are you the one that makes excuses when faced with God's truth? Go to church. Ain't no Christian guy to go to church, man. <laughs> Try to do a different voice. Instead of, right? I was that guy, and that's some of you. Someone asks where you've been, hey, I missed you at church, and you come, I was working. Don't you dare ask me. Because work trumps God. The lazy man doesn't eat. Right? And they like, say these kind of sort of Bible verses mixed with like Aesop's fables. Right? <laughs> like faith. That's not even a sermon yet. It's supposed to be the intro. I know I'm going to try to move. Oh, I got plenty of time. It's not my fault. Worship went long. This <laughs> so what do we know? The Bible tells us in numerous places that the righteous shall live by faith. It's not going to be up there. You just got to trust me. Google it one time. The righteous shall live by faith. You want the best life. Best life. Do you want it? No, you want an okay, mediocre life? Lame. (laughs) I want the best life that I can have. Does that mean it's going to go the way I want? No, but here's the thing. When I was 20 years old, I would have never thought the life I'm living now was better than the life I wanted. The life I wanted was this girl, and that's really about it. I figured I'd do some teaching on the side, (laughs) but my real focus would be this girl. Just give me this girl, God, and life will be good. I'm serious. I'll be an English teacher, coach some football. Nice. The NFL doesn't work out. That's a whole other story. I'm getting mocked for that. I want to be like, dude, I was pretty good. Like, you know, so that was a real dream of mine. And then all of a sudden that's gone, you're like, eh? <laughs> Which, P.S., part of the reason that got derailed is because the first God I followed, that girl, you know, she didn't want me to play football because, you know, that would give me an, a life outside of her. How dare I? Anyway, <laughs> faith. Faith leads to the best life. You want to be righteous. You want to be whole. You want to be pure. Listen, guys, gals. You want to not live in shame. You want to not live the game. See, a lot of you, you, the reason you don't like to come to church, the reason you don't like Christianity, you believe in Jesus. I believe that. The reason you don't want to fully dive into this is because you've bought into this lie that faith is something it's not, which is acting. And that's exhausting. But here's the thing. Some of you, the reason that's so exhausting is because you won't submit to God. So instead of following him out of his heart, you live a life trying to please your wife or husband. If they think you're a good Christian, it's good enough. And because they're human, and that can change, right? Their standard can change. Your friend, whatever, me. Are you at church? Are you this? The other thing I want to talk about real quick before we move on, because it's important to know about faith. So faith is a gift, but faith leads to actions. Here's the important thing to know about faith. Faith is, look at it this way. I told you the verse... You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. You want to throw that 9 up since I didn't get to it because I got on a rant. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. 
is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Well, Todd, I'm confused here. You said that faith is going to show in my actions. I'm confused. What's going on? I'm going to simplify it. You ready? Because I wanted it simplified. It's this simple. It's the heart behind your why. Two people give $10 to, to their church. I'll use money because that gets you so irritated because you think I'm about your money. So then you're already like, how dare he talk about my money? Gotcha. So two people put $10 in the offering. One of them says, ah, now, God, I've given you $10. You're going to give me 100 Or I give God $10, and um, Todd's going to think I'm a good Christian. Or my husband and wife, I'm going to give them $10, and uh, God is going to help me get that promotion tomorrow. The other person puts in $10 and says, it was never mine, God. Here's yours. I love you. Get it? Do you not? Give me something or I'll go on for 45 minutes. We'll be here all day. Yeah? All right. That can go a lot of ways. Do you love your spouse so that they love you back? And this sort of gets deep. Well, Todd, of course I want love. I didn't ask you that. I said, do you love your spouse in action so that they give you? Which is why you're miserable. Because they don't keep up their end of the deal. Hey, if you fall asleep and you're a member of this church, I'm going to come down here and throw a podium at you. If you're a guest, feel free. Take a nap. All right? Because I'm not going to throw a pot at me. I'm not allowed to. It's the heart behind your why. So we're going to talk about faith because, you know, last week we kind of talked about an overview. This week, the best life, guys, is going to mean a faith, a Christianity, a, a religion that has life. I always tell people, man, I am, I, I'm not saying this for you to go, oh, which no one probably will. I'm a terrible pastor. I am, I am. And here's why. Because I don't pass, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not good at the game. And some of the game's good, right? But I'm just not good at it because I don't get it. And I'm too much of a rebel, which is not, it's a bit sinful that like, when someone says it has to be this way, I'm like, I'm going to show you it doesn't. Right? You ever do that? That's not a good place to start. <laughs> But part of the heart behind that in me is this desire because I was told something by God. I was told something. And you start to believe it. I wasn't raised in the church at all. I tell this story all the time. You'll hear it a hundred more times, remnant folk, but maybe the new people haven't. I wasn't raised in a church. So for me, honest to God, hey, I was at an event. Raise your hand and you'll be saved and come back and pray. I did it. Give me a New Testament. I went home and I read that New Testament. I read it because they told me to. I think it had Psalms or Proverbs. I don't know. And then the New Testament. I read the New Testament, and I believed it. I thought that's how it was. And then I go, and I go, what the heck is this thing we're doing? This is not what I see. Anyone ever had that feeling, if you're really honest? Anyone ever had that feeling and actually play the same game they play, though? Uh, yeah, you did. I do, right? You start out going, I'm not going to play this game. And before you know it, you're playing the game. has to be more. And that kind of faith, that kind of Christianity, that's why you keep falling away, you keep walking away because your faith is weak, possibly because your faith is based on something that's not the Bible. So, Jesus compares faith to a mustard seed, doesn't he? You ever hear that? Everybody knows that. Raise your hand if you've heard that. Yeah, you don't even have to know the verse. You've just heard it, right? Anyone know how big's a mustard seed? Tiny. And he says if you have the faith of a mustard seed, right, you can throw a mountain in a river, whatever, right? An ocean, all these types of things. He, de- he says the same thing later on when he gives a parable of another seed, and he says it's, it starts out tiny and then it grows, right? It takes over everything. Faith starts as a mustard seed. Listen to me. Be- maybe we want to believe. This is deep. This is really messed with me this week. Faith, that thing called faith that we're going to study, when you first put your faith in Christ, 
Is it as strong as someone who's been a Christian for 60 years? Should it be? Should they be equal? You're saying yes. I don't know. Yes, this person, when I first put my faith in Jesus and said, I want to live, would that same Todd have given his last $100 if God told him to? No, he wouldn't have. Now, it doesn't make one better than the other, but what I'm saying is faith that is healthy doesn't stay the same. It grows. Maybe we want to believe and have full assurance. Do you want full assurance? Do you want to be assured that God's going to do what he says he's going to do? No? Then I should go home because you're not interested in this. I am. I want to believe it. I want to know it. I don't want it to be as hard all the time to do what he tells me to do and to not do what he tells me not to do because at the end of the day, the reason I don't follow God Maybe I'm, I'll just speak for Todd. The reason I don't follow God in a specific situation, whether it's going to church, whether it's giving, whether it's not looking at that computer late at night, whether it's not sleeping with that warm body, whatever it is, it really boils down to I don't have faith that God's going to come through, so I'm just going to do what I want to do to get me through the moment. That's it. That's the same with drugs, alcohol. It's the same with having a poor attitude. It's the same with being cruel to people and mean to people. i got to be dominant. Because God's not going to come through unless I'm in control. Maybe we want to believe and have full assurance and we take that first step of faith. So Todd, back then, maybe you in the room today later that don't know Christ because some of you don't, period. I know it. Statistics tell me that. You may have heard of him. That doesn't mean you are of him. So maybe back then when Todd put that faith, put, put, raised his hand and said, I believe in Jesus. I want life. Lord, forgive me. Maybe you you, maybe you just did recently. It doesn't matter. When you, we want to have full assurance. We want the first steps of faith. We want it to be 100% all the time. You should want that because it leads to the best life. If God, if you 100%, you ready? 100,000% believe that God was going to do what he said he's going to do. Just that. Just the things that he specifically told you, right? I'm going to give you peace, patience, love, joy, goodness, all that, right? If you believed that, would your life look different? Every one of you ought to nod. I know because ain't all of you filled with joy. I talk to you daily almost. How dare him. Yeah, you're grumpy. Me too. It takes time to grow our, to, to, for our faith to grow strong. Why do some people's faith, right? Maybe someone's been a Christian a year. You ever met them? And they're farther along in their faith than you who's been a Christian for 30 years. And by that, you mean you end up looking up, looking up to them, being encouraged by them, by the way they live their life. How does that one person do in a year what you haven't done in ten? They haven't built their faith. You ready? They haven't watered the seed. They haven't made that seed grow into the massive thing that it is. Because here's the miracle, here's the strange thing about God. He is not a tyrant. He has the power to be. He could force us to do everything we're supposed to do when he wants us to do. But somehow, inexplicably, he doesn't make us. So every step of the way, he gives us the choice to obey or disobey, follow or not, take a nap or wake up. Either way, he gives us the opportunity to do that. And every choice we make has an effect on our faith. Bottom line, every choice we make or don't make. Strong faith, you want strong faith, so here's the thing. Strong faith leads to peace and assurance that God is real, that God is true, and God is good. That's it. Faith is those three things. It believes that God is real, right? Did he, is there a creator? Okay, yes. That God is true, that means he's going to keep his word. And that he is good. You take any three of those away and it's not real faith. Did you know that God is good? Does it always feel like it? 
No, guys, there's times I don't, I, I, I'm arrogant and I think that he is not good. I can't see the big picture. Just like, you know, when a toddler wants that other brownie and they've already had two and you know they're going to throw up and you've got to be like, no, and they're like, you hate me. Strong life leads to peace and assurance that God is real, true, and good. The best life is found right there in strong faith. So today, I don't want to leave you there. What are the steps to strengthen our faith, to water the seed? When we act out of our faith, act, our faith is tested and given the opportunity to be proven right. That's deep. Do you understand what I'm saying? Easy. I can say that I believe this is not a false floor. You ever seen those cartoons? I step and I fall into like a pit. No? You never watch cartoons? That seems like that, Luke. You're not a cartoon fun guy, right? Fib, I saw you wear a Lion King shirt. You like cartoons. Anyway, so I can say I believe in this, right? This is a solid, firm floor. How am I, but do I really? And you say, okay, Todd, walk over to me. I'm like, I ain't walking there. That might fall. I'm only going to know by stepping. And over time, the more times I step, I'll eventually stop even thinking about stepping. It doesn't even, like, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt this floor is not collapsing. But I'll never really know until I step. And each step leads to more assurance that this floor isn't going to collapse. You get what I'm saying? This is why they say to give me an amen. They want to know you're listening. I, for, for, you didn't have to, but thank you. For years I wondered that. When we trust God and find that he comes through, when we have our faith tested, we take the step he says and we go, wow, that either worked out or it didn't destroy me like I thought it would. It strengthens our faith, which in turn gives us the faith to take the next big step. Right? You see the movies? Okay, the floor's not going to collapse. I think it is. Right? I was thinking of Indiana Jones. Anyone ever watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? One of my favorite movies, right? Remember when he's having to step out? Ironically, I think it's the name of God is what he's supposed to step on each stone. And he's like, step and he freezes, right? The test of faith. I think that's what they call it. And he steps. Each, that's so indicative of our faith in real life. But you'll never know unless you take the step. That's why you're miserable. You in the room, who, me, yes, you. You are miserable because you will not take the step to see if he'll come through. Well, he didn't come through before, didn't he? Are you breathing? Are you alive? Then he came through at least bare minimum. We take the next big step, which then when God comes through with that big step, the next big one, we're a little more bold, right? So it's kind of like, that's me strutting, right? (laughs) It's embarrassing. I strut because I'm confident this floor is not going to collapse. See, some of you are in a situation where when you're in the worst time in your life, somebody comes in and tells you about Jesus, and when you're in the worst moment, even the glimmer of hope is enough to say, okay, I'll do this to see if he comes through. And now life's gotten a little bit better. It's better than it was, but here's the temptation. Will you keep stepping? Will you keep stepping even though you're not in the place you were before? Will you keep stepping or will you go, hey, you know what? It looked pretty good over there. Or this looks nice and safe. I don't really want to go any farther. I like it here. My friends are here. It never stops. God continually wants us to take steps of faith. Choosing God. Listen, we're going to talk about this. Strengthening your faith really boils down to this. Choosing God. Racking up small victories. Racking up small steps. And each small step leads me a little bit closer to him. And a little, each small step, which is weird because he never really moves, but it's really for us. Right? He's there. Each step makes me more like him. And the more like him I become, the more I trust him. And the more I trust him, the more peace I have. And the more peace I have, the more joy I have. 
And the more joy I have and the more faith I have, the more amazing things I do with my life. Because God just wants some people that are willing to take some steps. There's too many Christians that are saying, I'm pretty cool in this church building. This is nice. There's my step of faith today. I walked in here. No, there's a world that's dying for people of faith to step forward and live boldly. Not just for the unchurched, but as a friend that I don't even remember her name last summer told me, but for the de-churched, the people who were told Christ is one thing and have been crushed under the weight of religion. Rack up the victories of choosing God. Choosing God then leads to acting more like Jesus, which leads to becoming more like Jesus. If you act, if you choose God, you follow his ways, you become more like Jesus because he did it perfectly. The more like Jesus you become, or the more you act like Jesus, the more like him you become. Make sense? That's called sanctification. In case you're like, why do these professors and pastors use these fancy words? Sanctification. Anytime you hear that, just remember the process of becoming more like Jesus. End of story. Holier. And here's the thing. You ready? I'm going to loop it around. I'm not even to the guts of this yet, Luke. I'm just, just the setup. I know you're angry about it. You ever look at his face if you didn't know him? He's the angriest. <laughs> but he's the nicest guy. I had to. You got friends here today. This is what I do. And then they'll never come back to me. I'm like, when Todd knows me, he's going to make fun of me. No, I won't. Only the people I like. <laughs> like a good Christian. Anyway, sanctification, that process, becoming more like Jesus, leads to a stronger faith. How do I know that? Because Jesus had so much faith that even when he said, God, if there is any way for it to be different, if there's any way for this cup to be taken from me, if there's any way I don't have to die, please let that be the way. But not my will. Your will be done. Which says, even if i got to walk to the cross, if this is the only way, I trust you and I will. That's faith. The ultimate faith. So, I could give you a thousand verses that talk about faith, but I want to start today with a section I found. Okay, it's in 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to explain it to you. Don't look at the TV yet. It ain't going to be there. God, you see how rebellious your heart is, Krista? She literally just wanted me to see her go... I can look at it if I want to. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you do to God. Anyway, <laughs> growing faith. You got me off track with your rebellion. Anyway, Thessalonica. Paul wrote the letter to Thessalonica, right, which Macedonia, the Macedon area is where it was at. And this was like a, a, a trade route. Egypt was around it, and all these different roads led through it. It's a trade city. So it had all the pay. It had Egyptian gods. It had some of the, the Roman gods. It had a Jewish, strong Jewish um, population there. And it's all together. And here's the thing. Also, they had the, the imperial cult. You ever heard of that? This is that history, David, that I, I took. The imperial cult was the worship of Caesar. And so that was very much pushed there. It was a very nationalistic city. So everybody's got to, you know, Caesar is like unto God. is like a God. So preaching the gospel which says there is one God and one way through him was like treason to that city. So Paul was concerned that they were going to crumble beneath the weight, that their faith would crumble beneath the weight of that pressure. Does that sound weird? Does that sound similar? Everything's okay. Do you, as long as you don't tell me there's only one way. That's us, man. What he ended up finding out when he sent Timothy there, and Timothy comes back to him, probably when he's in Corinth, is that... They didn't, that they were flourishing. Isn't that crazy? How are they flourishing when everything around them was, was against them? In that pressure, that church flourished. 
You guys ever hear the massive amount of churches that closed during the pandemic? I don't want to butcher this and be wrong. I remember at the time, I think it was the end of 2020, it was what, 40%? Something wild. Isn't that crazy? How'd that happen? Is that the pastor's fault, right? Hmm? Sometimes maybe. The pandemic didn't destroy churches, it revealed them. It revealed the makeup of us as Christians, all of us. It revealed our cracks. It revealed our weak areas of faith. And it still is. Anyway, that's where we find ourselves. And so we find Paul here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to read a big section. Verses 14 through 24. I know that's a lot. <clears throat> and then we're going to talk about it. And then I'm, going to, I'm back to a list. I got a list for you. I know you missed them. You love your lists. Yeah, there's literal excitement. That's the most excited you have been the entire message. Yeah, amen to lists. Oh, that's, I got to remember. Note to self, AJ, include lists. Um, so here we go. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV, to, no, the HCSB, Oof. Uh, which would be close to CSB. If you don't know what all those letters means, who cares? It's the version of the Bible I'm reading, but if you're doing it on your phone, it's the HCSB, CSB. If you brought your Bible, who brought their physical Bible? Challenge, still doing it. Nice. It's dwindling, but we still got it. Um, your version is probably similar. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. And we exhort you, brothers, we warn those who are ir- I'm sorry, we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Interesting. They differentiated between one another and all. One another would be each other as believers. Are you willing to do it for those outside these walls? Rejoice always. That sounds like, a, like an exclamation point. It sounds like a nice suggestion. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Right? I got your attention. He said something loud. Yes. Rejoice always. Two, pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for you is to, be, to give thanks in everything? Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Stifle means um, to put out, to make it weaker, to quench it, like putting water on a fire. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace. I love when God, the writers of the Bible, gives himself titles. You know God did that, right? He remind them who I am. I'm the God of peace. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. There's that word. What's sanctify? Become more like Jesus. What is Jesus? Holy. May sanctify you completely. <clears throat> and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. Let's think about Christianity. It's not Buddhism. Okay, it's not a philosophy. He is returning. Remember what I told you. You either are at peace with him or you are at war. And when he comes back, he's not the broken man on the cross. He's not the sacrificed lamb. He's the Lord of Lord, kings of kings. King of kings, the Alpha, the Omega. And he's going to handle his enemies at that point. I don't want to be his enemy. I love this. You ready? Oh, man, this, this gives me goosebumps. You want a head. Quit it. Grant, you can never not do this. I'm just kidding. Zeke, I'm just kidding. you got to teach this new kid. I'm just kidding. He's been here for 12 years. Um, 
He who calls you <laughs> is faithful. You already ruined the setup, so I got to go now. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. As we talk about faith, we are reminded at the end that God is faithful to us. Do you understand that? That God is faithful to us. You know, people out there will tell you sometimes, and it is a false gospel, what I'm about to say, and it's going to offend a lot of people. I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to in my, no, there it is. I'm going to weaken it. Yeah, that's what I believe. Here's the thing. You can't out grace. If you've truly put your faith in Christ, now here's the scary thing. The only person that knows that is you in Christ. Now, there could be fruit that shows it, but if you put your faith in Christ, when you fail, and you will fail, and my prayer is it's not a big one, right? Because here's the thing. Following God and doing what he says to do, I'm telling you, even if you weren't a Christian and just followed his rules, you would not be in trouble as much, and life would go much better. Okay, But when you fall, he says he is so faithful to us that he will never let us go. Jesus said that. He said, I will never let go of one of these you've given to me, Father. What about if you try to jump out? Nope. What if you fall in the mud? Nope. What if somebody tries to pull you out? Nope. He will never let you go. I don't want you to think that this concept of faith is tied to your perfectionism because that's not true. We'll get to it. He who calls you, did you know that? And if he called you, he didn't forget about you. Even if you forgot about him for a time, he hasn't forgotten about you. He won't let you go. He is faithful, and he will also do it. What will he do? He will sanctify you completely, and he will keep you sound and blameless for the day of his coming. That's what it says. Now, ready for what faith is? Faith is the belief that he is faithful. Faith is the belief that he will do what he said he's going to do. Are you with me, or is this too wordy? For real. Sometimes I can't tell if you're thinking or if you're completely disinterested. Thank you, Juju. That's what I appreciate that. Because <clears throat> I really, this is so important that I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not confusing it with Toddish. That's what I call my language. That makes no sense. So right in this section, guys, and this isn't the only exhaustive section, but I'm going to leave you today with 10 steps. That's a big list. 10 steps to grow your faith. Who wants it? Who wants 10 steps? Yeah, now I definitely felt like one of those guys, right? I'm going to give you 10 steps, and I mean this. If you do these 10 things, your faith will grow and your life will be better. <gasps> I said better, didn't tell you you're getting a million dollars tomorrow. That's the difference. You will have a better life if you do this. Okay, so growing real faith, how do we do it? Just, just, just taking this section from 1 Thessalonians, okay? 10 things. Number one. Repent and accept Christ. Well, Todd, that's not it. You have to accept Christ. You have to. You can't have faith without putting it in him, without saying, God, I believe you are who you said you are. Christ, I believe you. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then that means I need you. I give you my mistakes, my sin. Give me your holiness. Give me your forgiveness. I put my faith in you. We have to. Repent means turn away from your old way. That doesn't mean, like if I, you know, let me think of this. I repent of my unhealthy lifestyle, Okay. Let's say, and I want to lose some weight. The next day, right, I get up and I work out, and then I work out for a month, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, I have a lazy day and I hit snooze. Does that mean, but then the next day I'm, I get up and do it again, does that mean that I'm not committed to fitness, that I'm not committed to turning my life around, does it? No, it means I had one bad day. Now, if you stack those days up, it's going to make it harder to get to your goals physically, right? But can you do that, get back up and continue on that route? Of course. Now, what if I say I'm going to repent of my unhealthy lifestyle and I wake up the next day and nothing changes? 
Have I actually turned away from it? Have I actually made an effort at all? No. Sometimes we fool ourselves. That's where this whole thing is. No, you don't act to be holy, to be a, to be a Christian, but a Christian is going to change their life. They're going to try. And you know when you're trying and when you're not. Right? Yes? No? You want to come down and throw a podium? I will do it, Jason. <laughs> Number one, repent, accept Christ. Number two, you don't like these. You guys get so bored. Look at Chris is like, read the Bible, duh. Give me something new. Right? Number two, read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. You have to know, right? Faith comes through hearing, it says. Hebrews says that. So we have to hear the word of God. You have to read the word of God. Now, I ain't going to make you raise your hand, but I know for a fact many of you in this room have not read the Bible even one time in seven days. Seven days. Seven days. She's angry that you aren't reading in seven days. You haven't read the Bible in seven days, and you wonder why you're like, man, I, you know, I don't know why life's so sucky. It's like a fish out of water. You've been flopping around on the ground for seven days. I don't know why I can't breathe. The water's right over here. Just get in the water. Read the Bible. I don't like to read. Read a sentence. You read every day. You read the back of the cereal box. I know you do. Me too. Don't act like you don't play those games still anymore when no one's around on the back. You know, find the leprechaun and his treasure right on the back. No, I'm just me, I guess. <laughs> Bet children's church. Someone's like, yeah, I do. Read the Bible. Number three. Go to church. I'm not even two Thessalonians. You have to go to church. Let me tell you why. Now, this is in the Thessalonians. Ready? Here we go. Exhort those. That means call them out. Encourage them. Exhort your brothers. Warn those who are irresponsible. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. See to it that no one repays evil for evil, but always pursues good for one another. How can you do that if you're not around each other? Do you hear me? Some of these things, like people are like, it doesn't say that, go to the church. And about. Yes, it does say in the Bible to, to not neglect to meet. But also, you know why it doesn't say that? Because they're like, duh, I don't need to tell you to go be around each other. They wouldn't have even thought that way. And you can't even get your hiney out of bed on a Sunday at 11. It ain't even that early. Go to church. Find a place you're committed to. Well, I'm just looking for the right one. What, the perfect one? Doesn't exist. Because it's made up of imperfect people like you. You can't even trust your own judgment. <laughs> You're not perfect. Find a place that preaches the Bible, loves people, and loves God. Period. Find that place. And if you find that place, stay there. And stop worrying about what they give you and start focusing on what you give them. Because if everybody does that, everybody's giving. Go to church. Preaching to young Todd. I was that guy. I'm telling you. Well, I go to church two or three times a year. Honest to God, praise God that you do. But why even do that? It's like saying, hey, I'm committed to fitness. I went to the gym twice this year. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, that isn't, listen, I'm not going to mock it. It's better than not going, right? But you're not committed to it. All right, now here we go. So that's, you got those three? Krista, I know you probably don't know them. I'm going to say them again. Repent, accept Christ. Read the Bible. Go to church. All right, number four. Choose joy always. Right there it says it. I'm done pretending that these are suggestions. You want a stronger faith, choose joy always. What do you mean choose it? Rejoice is an action word. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm in Eeyore, so this is so hard to admit to you guys because you're going to hold me to this, and it's true. Is Jess in here? She's in Children's Church today. She'll tell you. She constantly used to do this to me. It was a joke, and it eventually enraged me, and then I came back around. She would always go, 
I'd come into church and she'd look at me and go, pretty much saying smile. Now I want you to imagine being told that every time you see someone, she goes. And I was like, right? In my mind, I'm like, I got to go over here and I got to print. But you know what? She was right. Because it affects people. Rejoicing isn't just for me, though it is. It's for everybody else. Choose joy. Well, Todd, I can't choose to be happy. I didn't ask you to be happy. I told you to rejoice. Hey, I ain't got this is how I rejoice. No, it isn't. All I got to do is have you watch your favorite band, go to your favorite concert, go to watch your favorite sports team, and I'll watch you rejoice. Period. I don't worship, Todd. This is it. But when you're at that Colts game, yeah! Ugh. Get some taste. Anyway, I'm in Indiana. Darn it. (sighs) Choose joy always. Why do I know that? Well, he says in verse 16, rejoice always. Does that mean when you feel like it? I'm sorry, does it be sarcasm? No, it isn't. It means always. I'm giving you something this week to do. I gave you one last week. How many of you actually tried to do what we read in 1 Peter last week? Nice. Did you notice the difference? Raise your, keep your hand raised if you notice the difference in your own outlook. Sweet. That's awesome. I, this is your next challenge. Now, some of you, I'm, I'm going to lose you right here with rejoice. Right? Well, I'm the, I'm the judge of whether I'm rejoicing. No, you're not. Easy example. How would you view someone else doing what you do? Would they be joyful? Whatever you expect from someone else, do yourself. Rejoice always. Oh, i got to move on. Number five. I'm doing okay today on time. I shouldn't have said that. Pray constantly. How do I know that? It says it in verse 17. Pray constantly. Now, this is an area a lot of times, and I put in parentheses, just talk to your father. How many times you talk to your significant other? Those of you that are not married, how many times you call them or text them today? <laughs> Does it equal the amount of times you prayed? That's a mic drop. Thank you. No one? It would have been cool if we'd had a sound effect. Anyway, pray constantly. And this is one I told you guys. A lot of times I'll tell you things that I'm not good at because that's the only way you'll listen. You don't like me to tell you good things because then you want to point it out. But this is one of the ones that I actually do well. I don't know why, but I've developed a spirit, a, 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 a constant prayer. I am constantly, honestly, some of you may have seen this. I almost want to tell you to raise your hand, but I don't because it might embarrass me. If you've ever seen you, me talk to myself, mutter, walk around, <laughs> oh, you do it? Okay, good, yeah. If you see that, I'm 90% of the time, well, I'm either insulting myself, which is terrible, um, or I'm praying. When I released myself from the idea that I had to go, oh, hallowed Father, thy name be holier than all. Rising above the cherubs, thy throne sits. Right? That's pretty nice. No, when I just said, God, help me talk well today. Help me speak well. Help me, help me love well. That's a prayer. Did you know that? Father, I'm sad today. I don't know why. Now I can tell you because this is something I do. My life is richer because of my relationship with God like that. He does speak to me. He does talk to me. You mean audibly? I don't know. I don't know if it's audible, not audible. I don't think you guys hear a voice back or you'd probably be scared, but I know he's speaking to me, that he gives me peace. I've committed recently, if you're a Real Talk watcher, if you aren't any available podcast app, you will know that I've been uh, meditating lately, right? Some pastor just popped on, meditating, Eastern meditation, paganism. No, right? Meaning I'm focused on the word of God. It actually says that he who meditates on the word of the Lord is like a tree planted with two streams of water. Eat that, Pastor. So, there's no one back there. Sorry, I'm talking to the stream. <laughs> yes, he just walked in, and I just pointed at him. Yeah, sorry. Um, 
told you I'm not a great pastor. Anyway, pray constantly. What I've noticed is, you know, when I set aside that time on top of praying constantly, when I set aside dedicated time to God, it does feel like I'm getting watered. But it doesn't have to be that. You know, you have busy lives. God understands that. But even if it's 30 seconds and it's genuine talking to him, that's prayer. Pray constantly. You have access to God. You have access to the Holy of Holies. Do you realize that's why it says Moses and the prophets would have longed to be who you are? To just sit in his presence at all times. To have him inhabit you instead of a building. It's incredible. And it's real. Pray constantly. Remember I told you, you get your list, do it this week, try it. Look crazy. Anybody see me talk to myself? Raise your hand. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm not going to ask who heard me. Live, number six. This is a big one. And and this is, now I told you I had a good one. Now we're coming to the, the bad one for me. Live thankfully. You are so blessed. You are so blessed. You're sitting, if you're sitting in this room compared to the world, you're blessed. You got some heat. You got some cool, that's why it's so funny. We are such first world people during the summer. <laughs> it's too chilly. It's 98 degrees. It's chilly in here. <laughs> like, right? Or you're too hot. Um, it's negative 10. Um, it's a little too warm in here. <laughs> I'm serious, man. We are ridiculous sometimes. Put a blanket on, all right? Get a coat. Gosh, I can't take my skin off, okay? So it gets... I'm sorry there's air conditioning. I'm so sorry. We have air conditioning in hot weather. How dare us? Anyway, live thankfully. Be thankful for your blessings. Guys, if I let my, every single day, I have something to be thankful for. And Paul's telling us that you want, and in doing so, it reminds us we have faith because it reminds us of all the ways God has come through for us. Guys, two years ago, churches weren't meeting. Before we started going, wait, what are we doing? Who are we listening to? Right? We weren't together. Some people weren't able to go to work. People lost their jobs. And look at us now. If that's it, if that's it, are we not blessed? Are we not blessed to have, even though it might be a little chilly in here for you today, that we have heat? Is it as cold as it is outside? Then you should be thankful. Will you get a chance to eat some food? Well, it's bland, Todd. I'm sorry that the free food is not spiced to your liking. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? When you go home and play, fire up that PS9, whatever you got now, right? You're blessed. When you take a breath, man, that, that hit me this year. When you take a breath, you are blessed. Live thankfully. And that means consciously choosing to see your blessings. And to be thankful. God, thank you. It strengthens your faith because it reminds you of how many times he's come through. I'm giving you a lot today, man. You're getting your money's worth. What money? Exactly. Number <laughs> number seven, respond to the Holy Spirit. You see down here it says don't stifle the Spirit. Todd, what do you mean respond to the Spirit? Well, one, if you're not a believer in this room today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's word, to God, respond to the Holy Spirit and accept him. Respond. But you're a Christian already. Responding to the Holy Spirit means to follow the Holy Spirit's promptings. You ever heard of a thing called conviction? It's that feeling you get when you do something wrong, God, and it's annoying, isn't it? You're like, man, I used to do this all the time, and you still can for a while after you're a Christian, and somehow when your faith goes strong enough, you're like, why isn't this fun anymore? Right? Why is this miserable? Stop doing that. 
when you walk by and God said, God, you want to know something? I truly believe this. When we read, we read that in the Old Testament it says God spoke to Moses. And God, well, that was a little different. There was a burning bush. But God spoke to all these different people. What if God speaking to them is in the same quiet, still voice that he speaks to you, but you just think that's your mind? I'm talking about the ones that say, hey, I should, I should call David today. It comes out of nowhere, and I'm like, why would I do that? I don't need to call him. You know, it's probably just me wanting to talk to David. No. Follow the Spirit's prompting. What if it's the time you see the person sitting alone at meal and you go, oh, there's my friends that I know. That person, the fact that it's brought to your attention and you don't do it, you're stifling the Spirit. You see the person with the sign and you've driven by 20 times on the side of the road, hungry, and you, go, and you always tell yourself, man, I know who they are. They, you know, they're, this is, a, this is a, a con. And all of a sudden, though, today's like, give them money. You're like, it's a con, though, Lord. Obey the Spirit. That crazy thing it's telling you to do, well, I'm not qualified. Obey the Spirit. Respond to Him. Number eight, test sermons and messages against the Bible. This part down here, verse 20 says, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. And you're kind of like, what in the world is prophecies? That word being translated, essentially the messages. When someone's up here speaking to you, they are prophesying to you in a way, right? Not about the future, but calling you to respond to God including me, you need to test those things. Well, I love listening to this preacher. That's funny. You love it because they always tell you that, you know, you're going to get whatever you want as long as you give them money. Isn't that funny? What a weird thing. As long as you give them money, they give money. I mean, well, it's God, right? I mean, test sermons and messages against the Bible. What it's saying here is that don't, don't ignore teachings. Don't ignore people that are, that are speaking to you and teaching about God's word and even giving a word from God. Don't despise them. Don't hate them. But make sure to test them and hold on to what is good. How do you test it? I already told you. Darn it. Against the Bible. Anything from God will never contradict his word. There is no extra like new revelation. That's not there. It's here. It's finished. Now, God speaks to his people and pushes them towards the things of the Bible. I believe that, right? I believe when someone gets called to be a missionary at times, sometimes that's real, and they're called to go or to plant a church in a community that already has tons of churches. Test it against the Bible. That's in your own life, too. There are some teachings that can slip in sometimes, guys, that are not from the Bible. I don't care how big that church is. It doesn't always mean that the teacher is evil either. But if, it's, if they stack up those false teachings over and over and over again, that's an alarm, isn't it? Or if you come and ask them a question and they say, how dare you shut up and get out of here? I am the God. They don't say that though, right? But they usually put man of in front of it. Same thing to them. I'm the man of God in this room. Get out of here, dude. Number nine, focus on the good in your life. Hold on to what is good. Guys, you got to focus on it. I don't have good in my life. Are you warm? You got some, you, you have some food today? I know you did. Well, no, I didn't. I fast. Well, even the fact you have. <laughs> you, can you imagine telling a third world country starving, Hi, did you eat today? <laughs> no, I fast. What does that mean? I don't eat. Well, you, oh, you don't have food either. Oh, I have, I have tons of food. I just don't eat. It's weird. Anyway, nothing wrong with it, I guess. Uh Focus on the good in life. Guys, you have good folks. i got to move fast. I'm losing you. Am I losing you? I already lost you. Number 10. Just kidding. Number 10. Stay. This is simple. I put it in my own words. Because remember it said, 22 says, stay away from every kind of evil. Let me simplify that for you. Stay away from what God says to stay away from. (laughs) 
What a weird laugh I just did. But that's true. Don't do what God tells you not to do. That's, that's staying away from evil. Well, what if, is this evil? If you've got to ask, it's not good. All right? Simple thing for you. If you've got to ask if this is okay, right, unless it's like a, you know, a real, like, is it okay to breathe? You know, <laughs> sometimes people manipulate. I get that. Is it okay to do this? But I'm saying if you've got to ask, like, you know, man, is it okay to, like, I get this question a lot. I love this one. It just came to me. It's not in my notes. Uh, real talk. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But I get this question a lot. We've gotten this question. So is it okay to sleep in the same bed as my girlfriend as long as we're not having sex? Because I like to sleep in the same bed with her. I was like, is that okay? Hmm. Hmm. couple things. You're lying. You're lying. You might have done it once. You might have done it twice. You have not done it three times. All the women are like, it's possible. Mm-mm. Look at your husband. Or a boyfriend. I guarantee you they're going, it ain't possible, honey. Right? I'm telling you right now, it isn't possible. So let's just be real before we even have the question, because what you're really saying is, listen, is it okay to sleep in the same bed as my girlfriend and have sex every now and then, but a lot of times I don't? That's what you're really saying, right? But we don't talk the truth. I don't understand it, because if someone would say that to me, I was like, thank you for asking. It's a very real question. What do you mean, mine? Is it okay? Does God hate you for it? Have you put your faith in him? No, okay, he doesn't hate you. Is it good? No. You want to have sex with her? Get married. Stay away from what God says. That's just one thing, okay? Stay away from what God says to stay away from. So focus on the good. Do the do's. Don't do the don'ts. She's going to come play some music after she gets unwrapped from her blanket. First world problems. How is the state of your faith? I'm serious. I know. She's pretty. Focus on me. How is the state of your faith? How is the state of your faith? Does it exist at all? Is it just a small seed? Is there even a seed in there? Is it just a small seed? Do you want a more vibrant and real faith, or do you want to keep playing the game? How's that working out for you? What are you doing to help that seed of faith grow? If you say to me, Todd, man, I've arrived, then you're already in trouble. If you say to yourself, if you're really honest, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, are you... If you were to compare yourself to last year, are you farther along in your journey to be more like Jesus or are you about the same? Because if you're not moving forward, you're stagnant. You might as well be moving backwards because he's going to keep walking. Get what I'm saying? When he says, follow me, he keeps walking, right? When we don't follow, we, we're not as close. We're not as much like him. Do you want to change that? Have you been doing a lot of the don'ts if you're honest? And you're like, and you don't connect it, right? Because your mind's like, well, it doesn't really affect me that I did this. Sometimes it's not as big as sex. Sometimes it's as, as much as like I don't focus on the good. I don't rejoice. I don't love people. I don't go to church. I'm not plugged into a community. Do you do any of the do's? Do you look outside yourself? Do you love people? Do you act when you see someone that's in need or do you just sit there or do you do it sometimes, right? Oh, I obey the Spirit. The one time it tells me during the week. What about the nine it tells you that you don't? Man, I just want to serve God. I don't know how to do it. Don't you? Take care of the poor and the widows. Encourage the weak. I, mean, I could go on and on. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
what more do you need to know? Why don't you start there before you decide whether you're supposed to go to Africa? Do you, I've been getting in trouble last. I'm going to push this. Do you respect your husband? I don't know why my faith's dead. Do you respect your husband? Did you know that's just as big a command as it is to serve? I don't like that, Todd. You know, I was told, it's funny, and if it was one of you, I love it because you're probably new, and it's like, Todd, you seem to focus on submission of, of wives more than loving them, the husband loving them. My question is, why is that what you heard? Why is that all you heard? Because if you stay around long enough, I am not nice to the guys because I'm one of them. You know why I talk about the one? Because nobody in Christendom argues with whether or not a man is supposed to love his wife, but we sure as heck argue about whether a wife's supposed to submit to her husband. Why is that? We don't like that, do we? Just an example that I've already angered you. That's all right. Does your life look any different than your friends that don't know Jesus? Are there people around you that you know for a fact, man, they just need encouragement. They don't even ask, but you know it, and you're just like, I'm too busy, too stressed, I'm too tired. Or a lot of times, let me tell you what it is too, it's still self-focused. I'm not good enough. I stink. I'm terrible. I'm not good. I can't love people. Sorry, everyone. I'm just, I keep dropping the ball. It's always about you. It's just about how you're not good enough. It's still self-focused. It's still self-obsession. Nobody is good enough to do anything when you compare to God. That doesn't stop us. David was an adulterer. Moses was a murderer. On and on and on. Peter was a coward. But they followed. They stepped. Even though they were those things. Why won't you? If you're in this room today and you don't have that seed of faith, guys, I got to tell you this. I usually give him a big, long, theologically sound spiel, but here's the gist of it. God did make everything good, and he made life perfect, and there really is only one rule from the beginning. He's God and you're not. He tells you what right and wrong is. That's it. That's what it was about. He said, you follow me. I'll tell you where to go and what to do and what not to do. And we said, no, I know better than you. And when we did that, we rejected him. And he said, okay, you don't want to be with me, then I will give you what you want. And we've been separated from God. Sin entered the world. Listen to me, sin is not just the bad things you do. It's a disease inside of you that you cannot fix. It's your thoughts, right? You ever have those dark thoughts? You don't know why. It's that, it's that anger and hatred and jealousy. It's those things that you don't act out of, but it's still inside of you. And it's also the symptoms of that, the ways you act out of that, the mistakes you make, the wrongs you do, the crimes you commit. It's all of that stuff. And you can clean up all of that and still be sick. That's why religion doesn't save you. It tells you how to act, but it doesn't tell you how to live. So God said, he had to get us to understand. He said, here, okay, cool. You can't, you, you, you don't want me, right? Thousands of years of human existence have shown us what happens when we don't follow him completely. Not just the stuff you like. Because that's not trusting him. I'll do most of this, Lord, but you ain't right about this one. Then he's not God. You're still on the throne. One you made, by the way. It's not the real throne. So here's the deal. We've been separated by God by sin. Something perfect and holy can't be with something that's not. 
period. What do you mean, Todd? Take a pure white snowball, take a mud ball, touch them. Is the snowball pure and white anymore? No. It's the same way. He cannot be in relationship with us and stay pure and holy and good. He can't. So that means he's not going to sin. So we've got to become pure and holy. How? When we've already messed up, we're born this way. The Bible says that sin has racked up a debt, that there's punishment. You are guilty before a holy God. You are treasonous. What is the penalty for treason? Death. You will die. Do you want to die twice? Here's the thing. So what do we do with this? How we're separated, that's the problem. Because even if I start acting good now, right? From now on, I still have the debt I've already added up. The Bible says that we're storing wrath for ourselves. God, the king, that judge is coming. And there's a lot of wrath to be poured out on us, on you, on me. So here's the deal. Can you follow these ten rules? No, we can't. We break them every day. So Jesus, God, when we couldn't come to God, we couldn't climb our way back, God came to us. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth existed. God made flesh. Fully God, fully man. He showed us how to live. He showed us it was possible. And then he did something incredible. He taught us the way it used to be, the way we were created to be. But then he did something incredible. He died for us so that we don't have to. On the cross, he did something incredible. He died a horrible physical death. But he also died your spiritual death. He died so God turned away from him, left him, abandoned him. So that you never have to be left or abandoned. Something crazy, and it's real, guys. Jesus of Nazareth existed. Over 500 people saw him raised from the dead. You believe George Washington crossed the Delaware? Why? Because a book told you? Why do you want to blow this off? It's a fact. You explain to me how 12 fishermen and hobos started a religion that to this day, 2,000 years later, has changed the face of the earth. The living God was behind it. So here's the thing. On the cross, God says, I will do this for you. Christ says, I will take, come to me. All you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Give me your mistakes, your sin, your shame. Give me. Let me take your debt. Let me take your penalty. I will take it. He did it. He thought of you. If it was just for you, he did it. He traded places with you on the cross. I will take all of the negatives of your life, and I'll give you all the benefits of mine. Does that sound like a good deal? No, it is. He didn't just pay for your mistakes because if you did that you could rack more up he gave you the benefits of his perfect life the bible says when we put our faith in christ and when he looks at us he sees christ his perfect life that's how he sees you well todd i'm a screw up i'm a mess up i've ruined my life really because he sees perfection if you put your faith in christ it doesn't matter what the world sees this world is a shadow of things to come it's never too late so the Bible says it's time I want that, but you have to be willing to do something. Repent means turn away from your life. Turn away from the life you're living and turn to the cross. Go to God. God, I accept what you've done for me. Forgive me of my sins. I accept it. I want the life you have. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. No one can take it from you. No one can steal it from you and you can't lose it. You know how you can't lose it? Because you never earned it, and you can't take away what Christ already did. I'm going to give you the opportunity today. I know we've went long. I'm blaming worship. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> this is called altar time. So if you're a believer and you've got the little mustard seed, and you know it hasn't grown because you haven't been obedient, will you respond to the Spirit today? There'll be people up here willing to pray with you and pray for you. There's an act of humility. The Bible says, right, pray for one another and you will be healed. It says that. 
Does that mean your leg's going to straighten out? I didn't say that. It could. But what I am saying is there's something that happens in us when we let go of our pride and come and, and confess our sins and our mistakes and pray with each other. There's something in that. Or do it at your chair. I don't care. But here's the most important. If you're in this room today and you can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt that you put your faith in Jesus that Lord forbid you go out and you get hit by a bus today, that you would not be with him in paradise. If you can't guarantee that to yourself, please, please do what I told you today, everyone else that's a believer in here do. Respond to the Spirit, because that little voice is saying, that's me. I was you guys. I was in the chair when the guy said it, and I'm not even going to trick you, because he told me to raise my hand, and I thought I just got to raise it, and I was saved. And then he told me I had to come back and pray. That was terrifying. I had to go in a secret room. Imagine if I said, come back behind this door with me. That's what I had to do. But I'm thankful I did. I'm going to say the same thing to you. Don't be afraid. Please. It doesn't matter if you, you know, well, my wife thinks I am. My husband thinks. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's between you and God. If you don't know Jesus, do not leave here today without the assurance that you're forever saved, held on to, and that you'll be with him in paradise. It's all real. Let's all pursue the best life. But that means we can't do it our way. We have to do it his way. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.